Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everyone. It's Wednesday night, and that means it's time for Friends in Fiction, the happiest night of the week, or so we think, and we are so (laughs) happy to be here with you. And by the way, I'm Mary Kay Andrews. (laughs) I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. And I'm Patty Callahan Henry. And this is Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, and librarians. Tonight, we are going to talk with bestselling Dynamo. That's the best word I can think of, describer. Adriana Trigiani about her newest novel, The Good Left Undone. And then we have an all-time friends and fiction guest. Kate Quinn will join us on the after show to talk about her newest blockbuster, The Dime Die. And as you know, we continue over and over to encourage you to support independent booksellers when and where you can. And one way to do that is to visit our friends and fictions bookshop.org page. It's there that you'll find Adriana's books, Kate's books, books by the four of us, and by all of our past guests at a discount. A few weeks ago, we announced our amazing partnership with a really cool new social platform. It's been amazing. It is called Fable, and it is a book club app for social reading. That's right. It's a Fable is a social reading app for online book clubs. It's a free app for your phone or tablet with loads of incredible book clubs to join. Their mission is to deliver the world's best social experience with exceptional stories for everyone. So we've joined forces with Fable to start a brand new premium club we're calling Friends in Fiction Behind the Book. This is an interactive book club led by us. That's right. We will have a different book selection every month, and we want you to join now to get the full immersive experience right along with us. As you read with us on Fable, you'll discover the stories behind every featured book, plus fascinating insider talk with the authors. Fable's unique social reading features will let you share your reactions, thoughts, and favorite quotes with us and fellow readers and gain access to special resources that you can't find anywhere else. And our first pick, Drum roll. <laughs> Our first pick is, of course, The Wedding Veil. <laughs> it's like we haven't been reading it in Fable I'm for the so last excited. few weeks. <laughs> I know. The brand new best selling novel by Christy Woodson Harvey. So, when we read along with this, what y'all get by joining Favor, Fable is, is Favor, is deleted scenes, inspiration behind her unforgettable characters numerology secrets hidden in the pages, historical fiction research tips, and y'all so much more. And next week on May 19th, we will switch to our second collection, selection, drum roll, again. <laughs> the Home 
Andrews. <laughs> and it will be the same thing. You will get behind the scenes scenes. Um, she will tell us some secrets she won't tell anyone else. No, I know I will not. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Okay, I will. I will. You Don't promise. throw it out of you. You promise. Yeah. <laughs> so visit fable.com friends and fiction to sign up today. The cost to join our premium club on Fable is just five per month or purchase an annual premium all access membership for just $70 for the, dollars for the entire year to join our club as well as any uh, or all of the other clubs on Fable including LeVar Burton's book club. We hope lots of you will subscribe. I already downloaded the app. Have you guys done that? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Like how, how can you, I mean, you know, we're kind of interesting, but LeVar Burton, like how can you not join for LeVar <laughs> no. Burton, right? To read along He's with him. He's so much cooler. I mean, <laughs> no, he we're is okay, not. but. <laughs> no, yeah, gosh, reading Rainbow, that always will hold a special place in my heart. But I you could like current... sing the theme song a little bit. <laughs> I know, exactly. So could I, exactly. All right, so you've heard that the four of us are on the road together, right? So last week we were in Cleveland um, with Ron Block. So what a blast that was. And we are so grateful to every one of you in our community who came out. I, You know, there's just nothing like seeing you all live on the road. You know, it's, it's so different than the interaction we have on here. We appreciate everyone who, came, who showed up for that. So we have two uh, live events left this season that we're doing together. <laughs> it's a chance to see us all together. I, so we're headed, I know. So we're <laughs> headed to the journey. Look, I'm like the wild driver again. <laughs> yeah, Christine we're precious <laughs> cargo. <laughs> yeah. We're headed to the Jersey Shore on Friday, May 20th for another fun theater event. This time with independent bookstore Booktown in Manasquan, New Jersey. I hope I said that right. Yeah. We also have a third event on tap, a luncheon event on July 21st in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. We hope you can join us on the road at one of these big Friends in Fiction live celebrations. We are so excited for the opportunity to see so many of you in person. And speaking of exciting, let's welcome our guest this evening, Adriana Trigiani. Adriana is the New York Times bestselling author of 20 books of fiction and nonfiction, and she has been published in 38 countries around the world. Wow. The New York Times called her books Tiramisu for the Soul and highlighted Adriana as a comedy writer with a heart of gold. Adriana is also an award-winning playwright, television writer, producer, and filmmaker. She wrote and directed the film adaptation of her debut novel, Big Stone Gap, and also directed the feature film, Then Came You, starring Craig Ferguson, Kathy Lee Gifford, and Elizabeth Hurley. Wow. Wow. I know, right? Wow. So... I could, do you think she wants to direct like a a four book deal? Yeah, we'll ask her. We'll just no problem. I think that's probably next on her list. Honestly, I feel like she's probably yeah. here to actually announce that to us tonight. <laughs> okay, I can't wait to find out. So her novels have been honored at home and around the world. Adriana lives in New York City with her husband, their daughter, and some rescue pets. Her latest novel, The Good Left Undone, was just released on April 26th and already has rave advanced reviews, is an indie next pick, and The Envy of All, a book of the month selection. Sean, can you bring our friend on to join us? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I it's love it. so great. Oh, so good. So good. So good. Thanks so much. Welcome, Adri. We're so excited to have you here Hello, with us tonight. Hello, my beauties. 
Wow. Well, that wind up at the top there. Uh, it was like four Jills in a Jeep over there. You, you guys have so much going on. You're on the road. Really, it, but I find what you're doing absolutely thrilling because it's what it's about. Because, you know, books are potato chips. People don't eat just one. No. No. I love that. It's such a good point. And, Adri, mm -hmm. let's talk about The Good Left Undone. It's a sweeping, sprawling epic is there any way you can give a capsule description of this story? Well, the, the easiest way to do it is to say that the character of Matilda is she's 81 and she's looking back over her life and she knows her days are limited. And she really thinks she hasn't done a good job telling the family story. Mm. And I think there will be chimes. It's about a contemporary Italian family and this, true story that uh, I found out about World War II that I had never heard before. And my British publishers hadn't even heard it. And they went to school there. So that tells you a lot about, we got a long way to go with telling the truth in our classrooms, but that's a sidebar. This character, Matilda, wants to set the record straight. And her, her father was Scottish and he's never talked about, he's never mentioned. Uh, they don't really know about him. Because like all families after World War II that had a little prosperity, it kind of, it became about the family business more than the family story. So this is about three generations of women. And then we add the fourth, the granddaughter. And they take you through the present and the past and what they meant to each other and hopefully where they will go once they know the truth. That's a good capsule. Yeah. Well, that's grand, that that grand. You know, I was on with Rosanna Scotto this morning because I practiced. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't practice at all, but yeah, you know, okay. But well, it's that granddaughter. Because people want to know. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Well, it's an intergenerational family saga about the maternal line in the Cabrelli family. Quite simply, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, I love talking about the origin spark for a novel. And sometimes we don't know what it is, but I've read that part of the spark for this was your chance encounter at a wedding, as a wedding crasher. Yeah, I at crashed a wedding. church in Scotland. I that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was there and I, there was a, I decided to like go see cathedrals and churches in Glasgow. I had been there on book tour, but you know, you don't get that time to really savor. No. And, my husband and daughter were on their way over. So I had a couple days to knock around and just think about things. So I walked to St. Andrew's Cathedral, which looks like a church. It, to, to say it's a cathedral to Americans, it looks like a small country church to me. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't big. So I get there and I go, the first thing I think is like, okay, well, it's not very big. But when I got inside, it was absolutely gorgeous. The marble and the simple and there was a wedding going on, and I love a wedding, and I am a crasher. I don't go to the reception. I only go to the church. Uh, and I don't know how many of you are Catholic. I know that Mary Kay and I share our Roman Catholic heritage. And the truth is uh, we believe in uh, whenever you can, grabbing a mass if you can. So I'm standing in the back of the church, and I this is 2018, the spring, and I realize as I'm you know, involved in the mass – 
that every song that this bride chose, my mother had chosen to be played at her funeral. Wow. So they were wow. uplifting songs, but Chill. So I'm sobbing. <laughs> and I would tell you this about if anybody's married to a man of Scottish descent, you know what I'm saying? They hate when we cry. <laughs> and I saw this guy in his kilt just inch away. And I almost want to say to him, hey, you in the kilt, really? <laughs> but he like inched away from me. I thought, who cares? I'll never see him again. So I waited until the end and I went outside. He went out first. Then I went out and kind of stood back on the street and took pictures because there's a wedding in the movie. So I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the way they do weddings, and this will matter a lot to, to like Kristen and Christy. And, and I, I also think it will matter uh, to Patty. The way they do weddings, it was reminiscent to me of the orchestrations, the operas. You too, Mary Kay, but you're more like, I don't know. Anyway, but with the picture hats and the umbrella. I don't see Mary Kay doing that nonsense, but it's fun. It's a theater piece, okay? So this was a real theater piece, and they were dressed to the nines. It was just, it was fantastic. Then, you know, the crowd's starting to disperse a little bit. The bride's getting her picture made with her family and stuff. Her veil and everything's going. I'm getting all that. And a man behind me says, who are you? Oh. And I... I turned and it was the priest and I said, oh, father, I'm just a tourist. He said, no, who are you? What's your name? And I told him my name and he said, you're Italian. And I said, yes, I am an Italian American. He said, then you need to go see that garden. So I turned wow. to look back at the bride to go back to say something to the, and poof, he was gone. He was gone. It was so <gasps> magic. I was like, okay, this is my mother playing tricks on me. Took some more pictures. Then I went over to the garden gate. Now, keep in mind that I, when I write a novel, I, I don't know how you ladies do it. I know a little bit because I've talked to Patty and Mary Kay about how they do it. I don't know how you guys do it. But mine are 25, 30 years in the making, usually. Some of them are when I took notebooks and talked to my grandmother. Everything I write is family. That's wow. all I write. That's wow. all I write. Don't even come my way if you're not interested in that. <laughs> so when I get to the garden... I couldn't figure out what it was. I'm by myself. I'm not the swiftest. I see these <laughs> modern mirrored shards of glass. There's a, um, a little marker that says it was built by this Roman architect, a woman. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. Took a picture so that I'd have it, like I could look her up. There was a stream coming down the middle. But I, what I decided to do, it was April. So it was like not in bloom yet. And, and the gates propped open, like sort of like they were going to come in there and clean it up for the summer or spring. Mm -hmm. So I walked around the edge of it. And the little stream was going and everything. And I found the purpose of the garden. There was a plinth on the wall. And it said, in memory of the Italian Scots who perished on oh. the Air Force Star, July 2nd, 1940. Oh, wow. Now, I knew that. Mussolini had declared war in England the month before because how did I know these dates? Um, because I had talked to, um, it'll come back to me, about the war dates. And there were many false starts to World War II in England. So uh, this was one of the, this was no longer the false start. This is now it was started. So I wrote everything down. I took pictures, but I had when I, when I see a plinth, I read the names aloud if I'm alone. I mean, I'm not going to make a scene like at the Vietnam Memorial and start reading names out loud, but this, this it is. 
And as I read the names and I read these Italian names, it, it, it was a completely, I had a completely emotional reaction. And when I have an emotional oh, wow. reaction, that's how I write my books. Wow. Oh, that's so amazing. First, first it was supposed that. to only be about this family business of Italian gem cutters that, that was three generations. And I went to the Vatican and there's a whole story involved with that. And I became obsessed with that. And the reason India's in there is because I came home and I took a class at Christie's, which was an accident that a friend of mine gave me. Um, so you see, I just kept making a meatball out of it. Wow. I love that. It's fascinating. You get this like original spark. And then I swear to you, like when you say, I'm going to put that a book, it's like a magnet. And then all these other little yep. things like, come come crashing oh, yeah. in yeah, the yeah, vatican yeah. the the yeah. gem cutter the story but i want to talk about the title because we talked about it when i saw you the good left undone and the hint is in the opening epigraph of course but i want you to talk to us about that it's amazing okay well you know i come from a working class family and and um people that really um on both sides of my family uh Italian on both sides and from different parts of Italy. I, I have a Venetian grandmother. My uh, father's father was from Foggia, which is um, more towards the south, but sort of in the middle. And then um, my mother's people, I wrote about them, their love story and the shoemaker's wife. That's my grandparents, Lucia and Carlo Bonicelli. Okay. So on my mother's side of the family, they lived at the top of the mountain, just like I described there. And you, you go up this uh, uh, Paso Presolana and you get to the top and that's where my family lived. And my great grandfather was a little bit of an inventor, but he had a lot of jobs. And one of his jobs was he had a horse cart that went up and down the mountain. And I always knew this story from my grandmother and my mom. But the Spada family in Scilpario were friendly with the Roncalli family in Soto il Monte, Italy. And if that rings bells, if you're Catholic, you know that the first peasant pope was Pope John the 23rd, and his name was Angelo Roncalli. So this is his family. On his death, but he asked for my grandmother's family. Okay, so this is how tight these families were. Wow. And my great uncle. My mother's uh, is the baby, and my grandmother Lucia was the eldest, and um, the youngest Andrea was the editor of the Lecco de Bergamo. So Mary Kay, he shares that with you, a newspaper man, <laughs> but he was a priest, right? So that family's up there. He's gonna. So whenever I go through there, I will stop in that town, thinking, "Oh, this is where my great grandfather refreshed the horses and hung with the Roncalli's," right? Oh. In the church is a, is, is a, and I never noticed it till I went looking for it, next to where you get your confession said, were the warnings of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Now, here's what's weird. Part of this story takes place in Marseille, France, and then on to Scotland. In Marseille, France, he's one of the patron saints of the hospitals there. He was in, St. Bernard was like a learned, actually quite, he wasn't very, he was a little dyspeptic, very thin. Uh, you know, the fact that he became a saint is kind of a big deal because he was a scholar. Okay. But he wrote what Patty's referring to, which are, 
if you want to if you want to get to heaven, heed these warnings. And there's three in the past, three in the present, and three in the future. And in the past, which opens the book after you're in India for the first round of the rubies. God, what a prologue. I mean, like grab you by the <laughs> so much, yeah. And it ends with that. So you you know India plays a role, but the three things of the past, heed these warnings if you want to get to heaven. You must contemplate these things. The evil done, the good left undone, and the time wasted. Oh. And during the pandemic, that time wasted, I was, it, was like, it was like it was coming at me in red letters all the time. Yeah. But the evil done and the good left undone. So that phrase, I would write it down all the time. And believe me, at first, no one could say it. It was like, and I thought they're going to make me change this title and I'll, I'll just, <laughs> it won't be good. But they didn't make me change it. So that's where it comes from. I love so it. In that church. And that's where I got it. And then it's that's in his, uh, it's also in the Pope's um, journal at the end of his life that he wrote. I think so much about it. You know, that epigraph yeah. at the front, you know, the time wasted, the evil. It's, it's beautiful. You know, I, 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 yeah, I'm getting to a stage here where I, um, I love every single book I've written. I don't know what's happening here. This is my mother. It's like, it gives like a god like, <laughs> like, 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 like God out here. Um, <laughs> I think that, hey, Andrea, hon, can you close the shade? I'm getting a sunburn in here. <laughs> So anyway, and then you. could you get me some dinner? Could you, could you put that for me? You know what I have upstairs? I have some cauliflower. I'll get it for you. Anyway, you know how that goes. Okay, now it's good. Okay, good. Thank you so much. That's all. all right there is good. I don't think the sun's going to move under that. Sun's going to keep setting, though. So, you know, Andrew's got a point. She said the sun's going to keep setting. She, she's right. Very deep. She's very right. deep. Very right. deep. So anyway, so so did that? Did I get you up to speed there? Yeah, I did. Okay, so yeah. that you know. But that's the kind of, if I'm not reading, <laughs> I, I read a lot of um, what I would call uh, autobiographies and biographies of people who yeah. know something. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that brings me to my question for you, um, Adri. You know, your books frequently explore traditional Italian crafts, fine shoemaking, dressmaking. Your storytelling is so finely detailed. I absolutely believe that you personally could make macaroni or a couture gown <laughs> or a fine watch as easily as you write a novel. So tell us about this Cabrelli family of gem cutters, jewelry makers, and goldsmiths, and how you research their craft. You took, you, you alluded to a class at Christie's. Tell us a little bit. How do you come to find out how to be a gem cutter? Well, first of all, whether you're from your Czechoslovakian or your Irish or right. your Polish descent or your Russian descent, there are trades. Right. One of the first things I learned was, you know, my grandfather was a shoemaker, but you, they don't just hat shoemakers. No. They start as farmers. And then that family oh. does the skins. Then they sell the skins. Then they go, oh. hey, we can make the shoes. And they learn how to do it. And this is so interesting because you always go, why is the jewelry so nice in Italy? What is going on here? And the reason is 
my grandfather was a beneficiary of this. Before he came to America, they would send master craftsmen into a village and sign the kids up. So there were boys to say, I'll be a shoemaker. And then another one say, I want to work in fine gems or I want to cut gems or I want to set gold or I want to sew. They taught them the trade from the master. It was almost like going to college, except they were kids. I mean, teenagers. Right. So the first thing that's interesting to me about that is that I have it kind of deep on both sides of my family. I mean, I keep my grandfather's um, ID card as uh -huh. a, a union card. He was a machinist. But he and my grandmother ended up owning their own fine silk blouse mill in Martins Creek, Pennsylvania. And the sign's up there. I won't move this because, listen, I just don't want to break anything. <laughs> but anyway, but um, I'm very, if, if I don't have a personal attachment, Mary Kay, I'm really kind of not interested. So when I go to learn to make shoes in Capri, I went to Rome first. And the Rome guy was good. But the only thing I got out of the Rome thing is he had made a pair of shoes to this day. I regret I didn't buy them. <laughs> they were like two-tone things. And they were just, the leather was like butter. Well, then I went to Capri and when I did Very Valentine and, and I, I, I sat with the guy and made the sandals. So, but you have to understand something. That doesn't mean I'm good at any of this. No. I'm a person who will pass the television set when someone's watching the Olympics and see the speed skaters or the, or the, what's it called? The, you know, when they do ice dancing, I don't know what it's called. Anyway, like, you know, you saw on Holiday on Ice and then you sit for a minute and you go, oh, they're very good. How long did it take them? Oh, they're doing one routine for three and a half years. And I was like, yeah. How long is the routine? A minute and a half. I could do that. I've never <laughs> had a piece of in my life. I think I can do anything. So I'm <laughs> cutting. It started emotionally because each of you girls wears a diamond, but that diamond was owned before you many, many, many times. But they don't tell you that. Because there's only so many diamonds that are mined, and these Maharajis, and I said the women didn't wear jewelry, men did, these dripping giant stones that sometimes were split and cut into 100 new rings. Wow. 100 carats from one stone. So, or, or if you have a two carat, I mean, if you're Mary Kay, you got the big ones. Okay. <laughs> but she's, you know, she's been with her husband since high school. Okay. So she's got some rocks. So the rock size is determined by how many they get. So, so emotionally speaking, it means that all of these stones have properties. So when you mm. wear it, it does something. Yeah. So that's how I got into that part of it. The, the rubies, because in our church, we have a thing called the Monstrance. Now, listen, they've made it more low-key low now. I mean, um, I was a kid in the 70s when, you know, they traded the gold chalices for ceramics. Mary Kay, you remember that? And we were like, oh, all the fun's going out of this. I mean, <laughs> suddenly we were, you know, so things were ceramic and there were banners hanging and posters, you know, like, God don't make no junk in my cat. <laughs> so kind of turned. But back in the day... Prior to World War I, the biggest employer in Italy was the Catholic Church. Wow. And after World War II, not so much. Yeah. That's fascinating. I really like that idea that the gemstones have properties. And I've told them this before, but I have this ring that I used to not wear that much. And I was somewhere one night and somebody said, you know, that that stone protects you. You should wear that all the time. And I like haven't taken it off since because I'm like, oh, Good. maybe it does. You know? There's something um, spiritual. 
You're yeah. one with the earth, heaven. None of us are here forever. It's those themes. It's in the rocks. Rocks. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, there is a quote in this book that I absolutely loved um, and totally agree with and believe that a family is only as strong as their stories. And those family stories, including the ones that Matilda at first resists telling, are really at the heart of this story. And mm -hmm. I would love to know how you managed to weave those stories so seemingly effortlessly through this book's plot. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. Did I? <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. You know, um, there's 300 pages of this novel that no one will ever see that I took out. Wow. 300 pages. 300 pages. I get upset when I have to take out like nine pages. So 300. <laughs> it's like another novel. Wow. And it was interesting wow. because I was, I came to the Aaron Dora Star in the garden, but then when I began to research it, don't ask me why I went down a rabbit hole with Orson Welles. That was like three months. Wow. Because there was a scene with Winston Churchill and Orson Welles at the Cipriani Hotel in Venice that I wanted. I had a whole arc of this because you see Winston Churchill loved the Italian people. He painted yeah. us. He went to our country. He, whenever he got a minute, he, he flew. Listen, Italy is the Florida of the UK. Okay, when they're when they're cold, they fly down there. That's what they. Okay, you, to you and me, it's the antiquities, and we are we love it. But to them, it's like it's warm down there. It's not raining. Let's go down. So knowing this, when I was when I was writing this, I felt like, hmm. Well, you know, I I could I could look at this a lot of different ways. This component of this of the weaving of the stories i i could do it a lot of different ways but the churchill thing got me because he made a he made a tragic horrible bad ill-informed very prejudiced awful decision to ship every per man between 15 and 80 and it was lower because there were some 12 year olds on that ship off the island, which is why you could go to Australia now and find Italians and you can find Italians in Canada because they were imprisoned and they were taken away. Wow. Never to see their families again. So I picked mm -hmm. five guys that weave in there who remained. But the Churchill storyline, it was almost like I just lifted the ribbon of the whole thing out and put it to the side because wow. this is what I decided. It wasn't his bad decision because he reversed it within four weeks. But by then, so many were dead and gone. I mean, Ugh. listen, when the Aaron Dora Star was torpedoed, they fished the men out of the water, put them on another boat and sent them to Canada. Oh, wow. And they were not allowed to contact their families. And, and here was the thing. My researcher, my head researcher is my best friend. She lives in Spokane, Washington. She's an attorney. She does this for me on the side. Wow. And she calls me one time and she goes, when we're, she was researching it, and she says, this is really interesting. They fished those guys out. They put them on the boat and sent them. Didn't let them talk to anybody. Never explained anything. And she said, every newspaper article that I could find doesn't tell the truth. They're all lies. It's all propaganda. So the power of one of propaganda is huge. And we're living through it now. We know what we're talking about there. But I paid a lot of money to make sure when you read 
from John Boswell in the newspaper where they are denigrating Italians for years leading up to the war. They're taking our, it's the same crap. They're taking our jobs. They eat garlic. They're beetle browed. The same thing that we say about the, we, I'm not going to include us in this because it's nonsense, (laughs) but the way immigrants are treated now, no methodology, no welcoming you know, yeah. when my people came and had babies, now my my grandmother and grandfather, my great, when they came, they didn't have kids. But people that had children were given milk at Ellis Island. Yeah. It was a different welcoming. Of course, they were looking at them, too, because they were a workforce that they were shoring up. Doesn't matter. Still treated them better than we treat our immigrants now. Right. And then you hear this kind of chatter about, oh, the right way and the wrong way. In this book, it tells you this tale of the immigrant that you never know when they're going to knock on that door and say, get out. And it's true of the Speranza storyline of uh, the Jewish gem cutter, Romeo Speranza and his wife, Agnese, the Ethiopian immigrant, which, by the way, is based on a true story, he took over the farm. Um, of course, I'm talking to the folks who are like, who are these people? You'll find out when you read it. But the idea here is that if I wanted to spotlight what I felt was the most important aspect of this maternal storyline, Winston Churchill had to go. <laughs> oh, I bet it hurts. Oh, that hurts. Oh, it's such a hard decision to have to make when you've gone down that rabbit hole and you've gotten attached to the storylines. But you're right, you have to pick and choose or it's going to end up being, you know, a thousand pages long and meandering. No, nobody, and- wants to, nobody wants to no. read that. Oh, man, that's not even me. Though. Right, same. Yes, I know what you mean. So, Adriana, you wear so many hats, all strictly made in Italy, I presume, or made made by your own hand after an hour and a half. How sharp is that? Yes, it's a Borsellino. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So you're a novelist. You're a cookbook author. You're a children's book author. You're a filmmaker. You're an entrepreneur. You're an educator. And you're the creator and host of Adriana Inc., which is, of course, your hugely popular online web show um, that I'm sure our audience is very familiar with. I know that all of these pieces feed each other, but how do you manage to juggle? Well, okay, two questions, actually. How do you manage to juggle all of this? But how do they feed each other? How do the different areas of your career help grow each other and ultimately make you a better, stronger storyteller? Okay. First thing is, Kristen, in my (laughs) house, there's no labels. Okay. When I'm a playwright, I'm a playwright. I'm working in the theater. When I'm making a movie, I'm a director. I'm directing. Yep. But always the river upon which it all sails is the writing, which you ladies do. So you understand this. So the river. I'm a playwright, a playwright. So really, I come from the theater. So I'm interested in the making of the story. I'm interested in the dramatization of a story. Now, this is kind of interesting. So I'll share this with you. When I moved to New York, kind of some magical things happened. Now, I didn't make any money and I was living in a boarding house. None of that mattered to me. But I said to myself, and, you know, this is like the 1980s. This is like, this is like, like 84 to 90 were my big years. Okay. I get here and I'm like landed and I get a Broadway show and I'm trashed. I get something, but I'm getting things and I'm working through it. Then I got work in television, mostly because I didn't even know what it was. I was not interested in TV as a kid. The only show I watched was Walton's. And it was about a poor family in Appalachia, which rang true for me and seven kids. And we were seven kids and we'd call it, you know, we do the whole John boy routine at bedtime and all that when we were little. And it was all very funny, but that's the extent of my TV watching. 
because we didn't get good reception in Big Stone Gap. We just didn't, and then people could call in. They'll tell you. You were watching the Fuzz channel. It was awful. <laughs> but anyway, I got a job writing television, and I whatever job I would get, I would throw myself into it because it was writing, and I could I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Now, when you get into that world, you're writing for other people. That would include stars. So I worked for people like Dolly Parton, Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neill, The Cosby Show, A Different World, City Kids. You see, it's like where you're hired, you go. And because I was so young then, I began to have this longing to tell these stories. Yeah. How was I going to do it? The directing aspect, I've always directed. I've always put things on their feet. And I was trained when I got to New York. I went for what she called gardening lessons with Ruth Getz. Ruth Getz wrote The Heiress with her husband, Augustus Getz. Remember The Heiress with Olivia de Havilland? They wrote the screenplay. And a great director named George Keithley, I was living in the boarding house, said, you need her. You need structure. Because I wrote kind of crazy stuff which is fine. I still kind of do in certain ways. But anyway, I went to her every Saturday morning for about seven years. Oh, wow. Wow. But she trained me and she was brutal. Oh my gosh. Brutal. Love this. (laughs) So when you say juggling hats, I don't look at it like that. I look at it. What's the story to tell and what is the best way to tell it? Sometimes the story is an epic poem and I've written those. (sighs) Sometimes a story is a children's book. I've written those. I don't like, but I don't segment it out. Yeah. Like when I wanted to write about my mom yeah. and Valentine's Day, it was the house of love because it fit that genre, it fit that category yeah. of thing. But I don't label myself a children's author, which yeah. I should. I don't know. And the show part that you guys do, which is so brilliant, I only did it. Because they told me, um, you you need to do something. Yeah. And it was like when I, I started book touring 22 years ago, I called the publicist because they put me on a 64-city tour. That's how I built my oh. career. No career. Oh, no. my it gosh. Guys, no, no, no. I can't even talk about it. I mean, it was something. <laughs> the reason you even know about me was because of that. I, I wow. so Sometimes if there was two people, I'd say, give me your address. I'm still in touch with those people. Wow. I'm out of pity. Like, you know, remember me? But I collected it and I built a business out of that. Yeah. And by a business, I mean, you know what you have to do. But the show, eh, I they wanted me to do something different. When I say they, it's kind of a conglomerate of people. And I went, no, I am not interested in that. I am interested in these ladies and what they're writing. I'm interested in reading this. So, as you know, I'm very lucky and blessed that I get on TV. And you get there and you realize nobody's read it. And it's not their fault because they're writing about something else. Ukraine. So I said, I'm going to be the person that actually reads the books. That's awesome. So that's all that is. And I'll do it as long as, you know, until, whatever, I don't know. Do it it till Mary Kay's next one's out. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I never know. I go every week. I go, okay, that was great. Okay, we're good. And then oh, I'm back really? in it again. Then somebody calls and said, will you read it? You know, and then and, and it yeah. becomes, it becomes, and, and then I feed them out. You know, you come on my show, I feed you to somewhere. 
you know. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. It, it, what you're that. doing is just so real and honest and fresh. I mean, um, it's just an extraordinary type of deeper dive. Well, it, and, and it's coming from the heart of a storyteller, you can tell. So it is. And yeah. you know, this storyteller, when I, listen, when I run out of gas, I run out of gas. <laughs> You're not running out of anything. No, we don't believe that. But I'm itching well, to direct again. I'm itching. I'm itching. Yeah, awesome. And I'm I, we have some stories. I know. Yeah, we, we have plenty of stories. Or, yeah. yeah, I know you all do, and I have to read you. I haven't read Christy. I'm going to read Christy. Kristen, I haven't. I have not read you yet. Patty and Mary Kay, I have read and loved. So awesome. just, just tell me. You know, Thank let you. me know when you have to. Don't be shy. <laughs> okay. Ask Mary Kay. We cannot stand shy. <laughs> we don't even know what that is. No we don't even know shy. what that is. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There's no time for shy. No. Um, I feel like you just gave us the best writing tip of of all time in that and all these things you do, you're telling stories, telling stories, and it's all about the story. But do you have uh, one of our favorite parts of the show? And I think one of our viewers' favorite parts of the show is when amazing writers like you give us a writing tip. So do you have a tip that you would mind sharing sure. with us? This is my favorite tip. And I'm going to split it into two parts. The first is you have to have a place in your home, and I don't care if it's a closet that's yours. You cannot share that space because nobody else, I don't know why laundry is a theme, wanted to do the laundry. Nobody went in there. So I live in an old brownstone and at the top lived Michael Patrick King. And there was, there was a, Lucia's now 19, but she was a baby. She was just born. He said, take my laundry room. And there's hilarious stories of when his, his, his lovely uh, cleaning lady would come and by the way, now she built a home in Poland and she went home to Poland. Nobody ever saw her again. That's how much money she made in Manhattan as a cleaning lady, which is my backup plan, by the way. I believe <laughs> in it. I believe in it. Anyway, she'd bang on the door and I'd be in the middle of something and I'd be crying or whatever. And she'd say, I need to get to the dryer. And I'd be like, oh, my God. I'd have to get up, let her come in, put the stuff on my ch- you, you get the scene. So the first thing is find a place that's your own. That is your own and create what I would call a sacred space. You know, get your favorite, everything around you. Yeah. That's the first tip. The second tip is begin to get in the habit of getting up two hours earlier every day to do your work. Yeah. If you can get up now, don't do what I do. This is over years. I've cultivated this and I go to bed early, but you know, I I can get up at three o'clock in the morning, get to work. (laughs) four o'clock, whatever it is. If you can't do that, then add it. I can't add the time at the end of the day. No, I can't either. People with children cannot do that. You are, you can't, it's too much. Can I do a part three to the writing tip? Yes, please. Stop complaining about the empty nest. Women are given a gift. Oh my God. When the children are raised. And I, you know, I, I don't want to hear that you don't link. You look. There are all remedies if you don't like the way you look. <laughs> There's all kinds of remedies if you don't like your clothes. Get other ones. There's all <laughs> kinds of remedies if your husband's boring. Pick it up a notch. I don't want to hear any complaining. These are the years where you are pulling with you this this wagon of experience. These stories that need to be told. 
Stop and don't believe it's all misogyny, all of it. It's always yes. to hold us back. And I say this about this book. They go, oh, the women, the women, the women. Well, when half of history is women and we're nowhere to be found. Yeah. We got to work hard to get us yep. in there. Yep. Yep. Okay. That right, was, I think that was four tips. You just gave me some life tips. I, I was just a life tip. I'm, I'm like taking notes over here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like, my, quite seriously, the world needs your stories. Right. They have to have them. And you say, why, Adriana? Well, why do you think we're here? We picked up the thread. Well, there's no limit on how many threads there are in that gorgeous tapestry of humanity. No limit. It's like love. There's not enough. So to that end, make your writing a priority. Carve out a sacred space. Get up two hours earlier in the morning. And what was my fourth one? It was a good one. Do not complain. Stop Stop complaining. Stop your business. (laughs) All right. Adri, if you wouldn't mind sticking around for a few more minutes, we have so much more to talk about. But now we have a a few reminders. We were wondering if you've bought your coffee from Charleston Coffee Roasters yet. We all have. Everyone in the Friends and Fiction community gets 20% off all bagged coffee on their website with the code Coffee with Friends. <laughs> it's good stuff. So don't forget the fabulous book and coffee bundles that CCR has on offer as well. They're books signed by us and paired with the roast and grind of your choice. What could be better? Also be sure to enter our monthly giveaway. We are picking three winners, one in March, April, and May. So you've got this last chance this month to win a three-month Coffee of the Month Club subscription, which is a $90 value. Get in it to win it using the entry form shared on our social media and in our newsletter. And good luck. I want that. I know. it's so. I love their coffee. By the way. I I had it this morning. So good. We're going to send you some, Adriana. Yes. We're going to send you some. Well, listen, you don't have to send it. Let me buy it. 20% off, I'm in. Okay. (laughs) Deal. All right. I'll order it tonight. I'll order it tonight. You know what? I gave up for Lent and I'm bereft. I gave up home shopping and it almost killed me. I kept saying, when is Easter? (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Awesome. I do my thing. Oh my gosh. Now I unwind. So I'll get the coffee tonight. That'll be my treat. Thursday <laughs> posted the funniest video when I'm in a bad mood, I watch it. And it is a girl miming some Irish comedian saying that the reason they put St. Patrick's Day where it is, is if you've given up alcohol for Lent. You need St. Patrick's Day in the middle of Lent. Because <laughs> the Pope told you you could drink. That's right. That is so funny. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. you got to watch it. I'm telling you. It's I will. I will. Every single time. All right. I'm here to remind all of you about our Writer's Block podcasts. We will always post links under announcements each time a new one drops. A new one drops every single Friday. This is the podcast. That, look at our amazing schedule coming up. So this is our podcast that we do with Ron Block. 
and it's called the Writer's Block Podcast. Okay, first of all, the name Writer's Block is killing me, and I right? love Ron very much. Yes, and that was my next line. He said to please tell you how much he loved you. I love him so much. Um, can I just ask a question? You ladies, when did you meet Ron? What's the first time you met him? Oh, gosh, I met him. I think I met oh, him gosh. first. Um, I don't know how long I've been going to Cleveland. Probably... Well, I met him in, when he was in the library in Jacksonville. That's how long I've known wow. him. That's wow. how long down there, too. He wow. was holding a spatula. He was doing a cooking demonstration yeah. during during the Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's we awesome. were probably there at the same time, Adri. Yeah. I bet we were, but, you know, back when I did that, I, I fell asleep in the room. It was, oh, my God. <laughs> I, well, I just had a baby, and I was pretending like I hadn't oh. just had a baby. Oh, oh. And I, I, oh, I, I was dressed and I fell asleep sitting up. Oh, my goodness. I remember those days. I remember those yeah. days. Remember when you're on an airplane, when you had a kid, and you, you fall asleep on the airplane and they go, you have to go now. We have to clean the plane. Where did everybody go? <laughs> Anytime it was warm or quiet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Back to the yeah. podcast. On the last episode, Ron talked to our very own Mary Kay Andrews about her new novel, The Homewreckers. And this week, Ron and I talked to Jennifer Saint and Natalie Haynes about mythology brought to life. Both of them have books out reimagining mythology, um, Ariane, Electra, Pandora's Box. So I've, it's so exciting to talk to them. You know how I am about those myths. So exciting. Well, we know a lot of you have been participating in our very first Friends in Fiction Reading Challenge. And this month for May, we are encouraging you to dive into a beach read. And if you're looking for a way to keep track of those books and your other reading, we'd love to recommend our beautiful reading journal designed by us in conjunction with independent bookstore Oxford Exchange. So keep letting us know what you think. We love seeing the posts about what you're reading. We think that there might be a book that we have a lot of you are reading for the May challenge. It's getting ready to come out. Thank you. What could that be? Anyway, <laughs> we love seeing your post. So let us know what you're reading. Okay. Also the book club. Uh, we're not hanging out. If you're not hanging out with us in the friends and fiction official book club, you're missing out. The group, which is separate from us is run by our friends, Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner. Is now more than 11,000 strong, y'all. So, awesome. so join them wow. May 16th when they will be discussing When Ghosts Come Home by Wiley Cash. Oh, that's going to be such a good Ooh, one. That's going to be good. Absolutely. And make sure to join us for our next episode of Friends in Fiction next Wednesday, right here at 7 p.m. And we will welcome Laura Dave and Nancy Thayer will join us for the after show. If you're ever wondering about our schedule, it's always on the Friends in Fiction website and on the header graphic on our Facebook page. Okay, we're not done, but I want to remind you. Well, we're hoping <laughs> that Kate oh, Quinn was not. going to join us, but I think there might have been um, a glitch. We might be I having think there's a tech problem. Tech yeah, yeah, you know me and my technological wizardry, not so <laughs> hot. So, Adri, maybe you'll stick around, but we, have, we do have. I'll stick around. What, can we, what else Perfect. can we do? Well, we want to ask you a question about, you know, and I know the answer to this because I followed you for so long, especially after reading Big Stone Gap. What were the values around reading and writing when you were growing up? Well, my mother was a librarian. Right. Oh, wow. So that, you know, the 
you know, okay, so I have four sisters and two brothers. And um, my the, these are my parents' children, okay? Um, I just want to make that clear. So <laughs> my sister, all the girls, our glasses were this thick. <laughs> and so when I was about 15, I said to my mother, do you think that we all suffer from myopia because you would never let us open a book all the way? She did not want us to break the spine of any books. When my mother died, the books were perfect. We were never allowed to, to put down a corner. Oh, my. Right. Oh, don't write in a book. You if you had to, you bought the paperback and you wrote in that for school or you, you know, whatever. But my mother's books were pristine. Now you say, oh, my. That's crazy. Well, it isn't because my mom could bind a book. She used to, in Chisholm, Minnesota, on the Iron Range, she and her twin sister, who also became a librarian, used to rebind books. So my mother knew how to do that. Wow. But she didn't like books to be, you know. My mother once saw somebody put paperbacks in their front yard to just somebody take a paperback. They put them in a little thing. You, you, you might as well have stabbed her. She said, books are not meant to be outdoors. What are they doing? That's insane. Tell, oh my you have to call them and tell them to take those books. And say, I don't care. They're not my books. They're, they're, go call those people. I mean, so she was like that. So, yeah. That's my first influence is my mother. My father was a big reader. Um, he, he was also, my father, like, he read books with the Knights of Columbus that would shock you, like Scott Peck. I have my father's <laughs> notes from his Knights of Columbus meeting. And then in our home, um, every aspect of life had a book around it somehow, including our faith. So I have all those little booklets. Yeah. Back of them over there. Like, I mean, I might as well get them. Oh. I might as well show you. We you love know, show and tell. It's my favorite. Church. Here's my favorite Pope John the 23rd. Just carry that in your handbag. Oh, <laughs> when you need that. to write. And that's the Angelus in that one. Yeah. The Holy Way of the Cross. Wow. Oh, my favorite, the Perpetual Novena. The Peace of God. I mean, you see what I got here? And then I just will throw this one in because this was my aunt and uncle's wedding, which I talk about a lot. Um, this is the, you used to be able to wear, get a little booklet like this when you got married. Oh, yeah. Oh, leather bound. They sort of leather bound. And don't don't ask me this. This will really make you laugh. So in with all these booklets, some of which belong to my grandmother or my mother or me wow. or my aunts or whoever, is my grandmother's checkbook. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my I'm goodness. Obsessed, I'm obsessed with handwriting. So, like, I have my grandfather here. Yeah. This was in his wallet. That's my grandfather, um, who, by the way, his skin was brown. Because prior to World War II, Italians were considered brown people. I like oh, to bring that all to anybody who is of Italian descent. But anyway, so yeah, so it might not only be of interest to me, but but so so what informs a writing life is this? I'm a snoop. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. You know, yeah. I, don't yeah, invite me true. over because I'm gonna open your medicine cabinet and go. Oh dear. <laughs> Oh, if you're, if you're right about me, yeah. the hemorrhoids at dinner, you know, I want to know. But, um, <laughs> but on a deeper level, my librarians, Ernestine Roller, 
Billie Jean Scott, the bookmobile librarian. He just died this past year, Mr. Varner. I mean, yeah. those are my people. Yeah. Okay. We are going to um, close it out, but we're going to come back and do an after show. And Adria has generously agreed to hang with us. So stay for the after show. And don't forget, you can watch all of our back episodes on YouTube. They're live there every week, just like we are on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. Plus, you'll have access to special short clips. Be sure to come back next week, same time, same place, as we welcome Laura Dave, who blurbed Adri's book, That's and right. Nancy Thayer. They will, and uh, Nancy Thayer will join us for the after show next week. All right, we'll see you guys in just a minute. We're back. Yay! <laughs> Yay! I feel like I can like, I know, like take a breath, lose. lean back in my chair. Yeah. I was going to pour a glass of wine, but there isn't time. Okay, so. You know, we got Memorial Day coming up. Right. And, um, you know, Adri and I both have a little thing called book tour coming up. But Mary Kay, nobody does it like you. I've had now, too. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, a lot of us are. um, But what about travel plans? What's anybody got any fun travel on tap? Um, Adri, I saw that you posted that you had just gone to see um, Plaza Suite. You're going to love it. Matthew Broderick made me laugh so hard. And I love Sarah uh-huh. Jessica, but I, I love them. And uh, it was hysterical. Oh, I, yeah. I want to see it. Yeah, uh, we're going to go. We're going to. You, you need it. You need it because you're just going to laugh. It's just a laugh fest. Yeah. My husband and I are headed to New York for a long weekend in June with another couple. And so, yeah, they bought the tickets. And um, Mary Kay, will you please call me? Oh, I would love over? to. Yeah, I'm, I would love you know, to. You have a drink even yeah. before the show. Okay. I would love it. I would love it. We saw, um, I went on business um, earlier in um, April. Was it April, March? I don't know. It, April. I, we went to see um, the Music Man. Meg and I went to see the Music Man. Nice. With yeah. Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. I knew you and Meg were into Hugh Jackman. How could I not know? <laughs> You know, that is our little ritual. When I go up to New York for travel, I mean, for business, Meg comes in. We have meetings with my publisher, Peeps, uh, at St. Martin's and my agent. And Meg comes in for the meetings. And then we treat ourselves. We go see a show. That's what you should do. Yeah, we do that. And um, she teaches me all the New York things. Right, Meg? I'm trying to tell her to jump yeah, on and join us. Jump in. Yeah. yeah. Join us. We can Brady Bunch her in. I am. Um, <laughs> right. The last time I went, and it's when I saw you, Adriana, I saw. Um, there she hey, is. Hey. Hi. I saw Town. Oh, oh nice. my gosh. So Love good. That. But I'm dying to see Plaza Suite. So. I want to see that Yeah, too. me too. Yeah. He, he really made me laugh. I mean, I, and it, you know, it's hard. But I, I really howled during that to the point that they knew it was me. I had a mask on. I was like, oh, my God. I'm <laughs> I have a terrible laugh. But um, God, it was good. Yeah. Oh, very, that's very, awesome. Directed by John Benjamin Hickey. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. He, was in, he was in my Big Stone Gap movie. He played Theodore. Okay. Oh, yeah. I like him. He's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay. I'll have to catch that. Yeah. Anybody sure. else going anywhere? Um, I'm going to San Diego next weekend. I mean, it's work. I'm doing the Adventures by the Book 
things, but good. Um, but can I just say that flying across the country and then hearing yesterday that the masks are gone? Yeah. Yes. The flying on the plane. I don't think I'm going to go without a mask on the plane. I, I'm the same, same. I'll absolutely wear it. Yeah. I was never out. very impressed with the way they cleaned airplanes in the first yes. place. I'm sorry yeah. my cleaning aspect is coming out again, but yeah. most of the time my cologne is bleach. Okay. I like <laughs> to clean. So I, I hear you. I hear you. But like just to take it off to eat or drink or whatever, like you're not so. Yeah panicked as you were you know they're not going to come yell at you or kick you off the plane or something i've had enough um, friends just get it vaxxed and boosted yeah. that oh yeah here. it's everywhere yes. again yep. yes. oh i'm still going to be careful it's just like one less um like stress in case you don't have it or you forget or you drink or eat or and how scratch no, your nose. You, you, know, know? You, don't, you don't have to wear a beekeeper suit and a diaper anymore when you go across the country. You can go to the bathroom again. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the adult diaper business went through the roof. Because nobody wanted to go in that bathroom. Yes. Yep. <laughs> when you go in that bathroom, first of all, I like to relax when I travel. I don't want to go in and clean it. Then yeah. go, right? then clean it before I, I leave, right? Yeah, so true. Yeah. Can't do a little hanky on the way in. Kristen, oh, are you just are you guys just gonna go repeatedly to Disney World? <laughs> I mean, that's the general plan. No, we're we're going to Boston. We're going to Rhode Island. Um, oh, get a little bit of travel, but yes, probably also repeatedly Disney World. <laughs> Adriana, awesome. I have a six year old, and we live in Orlando. So <laughs> oh, fun! Well, I'll be over there. Are you kidding? I would have pitched a tent there and stayed. <laughs> we essentially have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's it's a wonderful thing, but I'm just going to say this: motherhood is a temp job. <laughs> grow up, oh my gosh, I love that. They grow so up, true, and they leave. You yeah. know, um, I, mm. before we came on tonight, I was at the park with him, and I was all I was thinking at the beginning was, I don't have time for this. I've got to get home. I've got to get my makeup on, and then it just I, I had this moment of but these days are going to be gone like that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like I have right. to go to the yeah. park with him and run around and you know, right. do the six-year-old things. Yeah. Yeah, it's it does. It already job. is going by. Yeah, but so I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. In a year, you won't miss those days. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss any of it. I'm frankly, stay in the moment. I did yeah. have to run around and be a shark or something. I'm not even sure what game we were playing. <laughs> <I don't> <laughs> Meg, where are you guys going this summer? Well... I mean, we're all going to Rehoboth together, which yeah. is great. Right. And, and the Jersey Shore. And That's Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're coming to me. And then I'm mm -hmm. going to Tybee. We go to Tybee every year. Yep. Check when are you doing time. that? In August? August? August. The first week in August 6th to the 13th. Meg, I like August. how you have these weeks off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and last I week. am. I never takes any time, I'm sure. That yeah. first week in August is when I get to go to England. Ooh, and I'm going to go to everywhere in my new book. So the oh, book that comes out in 2023, sweet. I'm going to go to Binzi. I'm going to go to London. I'm going to go to Bloomsbury. I'm going to go. You guys are going to get all the photographs because I couldn't do any of awesome. that when I was writing it. Now, do you go by yourself, Patty? I'm going by myself for a week. And then my husband's meeting me and we're going to Cornwall for a week. And I've never oh, been there. And I am... I have like one of those kids calendars where I'm like Xing out the days until Aww. I can go. I'm so excited. I'm so Cornwall's excited. beautiful. I love it. 
I went I've to Cornwall years ago. All I wanted to do was see, um, you know, Rebecca, where Rebecca takes yeah. place. Because yeah. I was such a huge Daphne Du Maurier fan. I'm hoping to go. I, we, I haven't started planning the trip. I'm hoping Ireland um, in yeah. maybe, that would maybe be August or September. Yeah. You know, Daphne Du Maurier was um, edited in the United States by a man named Ken McCormick. And Ken McCormick ran Penguin. Well, now, now it used to be called Random House. He ran Random House. He was the he was the cheese. He was the president and the editor, and he edited her. Wow. And in his and I knew his wife. I know his wife. She's alive and well and with us. This is a crazy story. My daughter in her class had his granddaughter. Now you go. What are you talking about? Well, he was born in 1903, Ken McCormick, but. His wife was much younger. Okay. So she had she had a son my age who was the dad in the class. And this right. little girl comes up to me and says, My grandfather was Ken McCormick. I said, From Random House? And she said, Yeah. I said, How's it your grandfather? And then her mother explained it, right? Okay, well, I told <laughs> a winded story because she sent me to read his papers that are unpublished. And he talks about editing her. Wow. Oh, wow. Did not have to edit her. Everything was perfect. Wow. Oh, my wow. goodness. Just like all of our books, I'm sure. <laughs> not perfect. I think yeah. there's something about, you know, um, there's something about um, that old way of working when you yeah. turned it in and you had typed it yourself. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. That's true. She had a fascinating life. Um, You know, um, Manderley, the, the estate that she is a fictional estate, but she, um, when her husband was in the war years, they lived at this estate, they rented it for years and years and years. And then the people who owned it and she was, you know, I read that she was obsessed with this house in um, Cornwall. And then the owner said, well, you have to get out because, you know, we're going to take it back over after, I don't know how many years, 10, at least 10 years. And she was crushed and heartbroken. And um, they would go back and squat. She would go back and squat in that house. No. Yes. yes. Wow. I've got to go find that British house when like I'm there. That. The British are like that. You can just knock on a door and say, I want to see your house. And they have to let you in because they get some tax rebate or something. Well, you can't get in. I will tell you that you cannot get into this. You cannot get in to see that estate. It's um, it's pretty well. It's secluded, and they they are not welcoming. But that's my bit of you know my Cornwall. bit of Daphne well, Moyet. They, wow. they film pole dark there. They have all the mm-hmm. King Arthur stuff. Right. They have that amazing castle. Right. They have you know I love to hike. They have all these things, but I cannot wait to see it. Did you, know like, Daphne, did you know Daphne Du Maurier wrote The Birds? No. Yes. No. Really? Yes. The short story. She wrote the short story, The Birds, that Hitchcock made the movie from. I did not know wow. that. No, me neither. That's a good piece of trivia. That is some yeah. lint in your limp trap tonight. I have <laughs> that is some good lint. <laughs> that was good lint. Thanks for sharing that lint. Okay, you guys. We have to get off because I... My blood alcohol level is dangerously low. <laughs> I mean, I'm sipping water here. <laughs> what does this come to? What's the world come to? 
Yes. Oh, Adriana, we are so excited about your book. And thank, thank you. Thank you. My it's an amazing thank you. Congratulations, Adriana. We love it. So nice now, to meet you. now I'm going to go down that rabbit hole of the Britallians. And I know. I know. Yeah. No, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Now we that's know. A whole, that's a whole other show. Anyway, thanks yeah. everybody for being with us tonight. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.